Coast to coast, nonstop action. This is the premier source for National Hockey League news. Scores, highlights, and the Anaheim Ducks. It's time to light the lamp with Alexis Downey. Welcome to Light the Lamp here on DuckStream. I am your host, Alexis Downey. This is episode number 80, and it is also the final game day for your Anaheim Ducks of this NHL season. Game number 82 of 82, and then the next to last day of the NHL regular season, as there are a few games on Friday to close it out. There's just a lot of emotions for me this week. I mean, today is very bittersweet. It makes me look back on the season that we've had and all the growth that we've also had here at DuckStream. Just so grateful for this opportunity and for all of you that have followed along with us all season long. And then going back to Tuesday this week, that was a crazy but exciting day as well, receiving the unexpected call that I would be filling in for Dan Wood as the color analyst on the broadcast with Steve Carroll. It was an incredible experience, so much fun being with Steve in the booth. And despite the outcome of the game, it was a good showing by the Ducks. So we might as well get to AD's takeaways now in Tuesday's unfortunate loss to the Vancouver Canucks 3-2. And Vancouver did get on the board first in this game, and they were out shooting the Ducks through the first period. It was just penalties that hurt the team once again. That's exactly what we saw against the Colorado Avalanche. Although the special teams for the Canucks is a little different than the Avalanche. They are just really a lot more dominant than Vancouver as they haven't exactly had the season that they've wanted to. They're out of the playoff picture. So really their game against the Ducks on Tuesday was just about growing some of their younger guys as well. Now, both of the team's goals in the first period for the Canucks came on the power play. Hence my reasoning for penalties hurting the Ducks in this one. Brock Besser at 12-14 in the first period. And then Andre Kuzmenko about four minutes later getting the Canucks a 2-0 lead. And Akito Hirose had a really nice stretch pass to get the puck to Kuzmenko for that goal, the second one of the game. But you have to be happy because the Ducks did respond in that first period when they got a power play chance. And Mason McTavish used his signature one-timer off a pass from Cam Fowler to cut the lead to 2-1 to after that first frame. And it was McTavish who had drawn the penalty on Kyle Burrows to get the Ducks their power play. So very fitting that he would be the one to have that goal. And speaking of goals, Drew Hellison in just his second NHL game had his first NHL goal. So happy for him. It tied up the game and it came on a five on five play in the second period. He was smiling so much and I know his family was in attendance for the game. So really a special evening for him and a special evening for Jackson Lacombe, who made his NHL debut in this one as well, getting a lot of time on the ice. 18 minutes and 24 seconds to be specific. And he also got a little bit of time on the power play in the end of the game. So certainly good experience for him. And I thought he looked pretty solid getting his stick in, being physical in front of the net and holding off some of those Canucks players. Now, there was a lot of zone time for Vancouver in this game. They were moving the puck well and using their speed through the neutral zone and in their zone entrances. But the Ducks did match that at moments in this game, and that's why they were able to keep the game close. They got some pucks to the net and were only one shot behind the Canucks at the end of the game. It was 36-35. to 35. 
but it was JT Miller that ended up getting Vancouver's game winner shortly into the third period. So that leads us to the final game for the Ducks season and how fitting that it is against the LA Kings in the final freeway faceoff of the season. Now, if you remember, the last time they met at Honda Center was back on February 17th, and it was a very chaotic game. Very physical as well. 16 hits by the Ducks in that one. I'm not really sure what to expect in tonight's matchup as both teams are in very different places with their season. The Kings are getting ready for the playoffs and then the Ducks are just looking ahead to the offseason and the future. But I do expect Anaheim to really compete hard in this game in front of the home crowd if you're going to be there as well. And I do think that it is pretty cool that we're ending the season playing our rival just really brings a sense of excitement and passion into this last game. Despite where the Ducks are at, they are at 23, 46 and 12 with their record for 58 points in the NHL and they're sitting in 31st place. Now, only the Columbus Blue Jackets are behind them with 57 points and the blue jackets will be playing tonight against the Pittsburgh penguins. And they also have one additional game. So just number 81 on their season tonight, they have one on Friday night against the Buffalo Sabres. Both of those games will be at home. So if you're watching those standings, you might want to keep an eye on the blue jackets and see how they do on Thursday night, that being tonight. And then also on Friday as the NHL draft lottery is just around the corner, less than a month away. And it's really hard not to think about how the end of this season could play out and how that could affect the draft lottery. But now let's talk about the rest of the NHL and go coast to coast with goal calls this week. And of course, we have to start with the Anaheim Ducks and Vancouver Canucks game on Tuesday because it was just such a special night. Like I said, for Drew Hellison, just his second NHL game, getting his first goal, netting the tying goal off a pass from Trevor Zegras. Steve Carroll shared the call of that one. Here's a chance for Troy Terry getting it out for Hellison. A driving score! Drew Hellison with his first in this teammate's mob out at center ice. And you know that's a feel-good moment. He's just tied up the game at 2 2 and then on Tuesday, the Winnipeg Jets got out to an early lead that helped them take down the Minnesota Wild 3-1 to at XL Energy Center. And with the win, Winnipeg earned the final playoff berth in the West, getting the second wildcard spot, and they were the eighth and final team to clinch that in the Western Conference. Jets goaltender Connor Halibuck stopped 33 shots in this game, and some of them were very impressive, especially late in the game. But the final goal for the Jets came 14.06 into the third as Kevin Stunlin chipped the puck into the zone to Morgan Barron, who found Mason Appleton in the middle, who put it in the back of the net. Winnipeg has 95 points on their season, and you can hear Paul Edmonds call the goal from Minnesota. Boldy high slot got taken off the puck by Barron. Sent back toward the line. No call. Forced out by Stenlin. Good job there against Klingberg. Chipped off the wall. Scooting after it is Barron. Barron back in behind the net. Center out in front of shot. They score. Mason Appleton charged toward the net. What a play by Morgan Barron. And it's 3-1 to one. Winnipeg. 
The Edmonton Oilers now have eight straight wins after taking down the Colorado Avalanche 2-1 to one in overtime at Ball Arena on Tuesday. And Edmonton is really showing their dominance as they close out the regular season. Evan Bouchard netted the overtime winner one minute and 50 seconds into the extra frame with assists from both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on that goal. McDavid now has 152 points on the season, leading the league, of course. And then Dreisaitl is behind him with 125 to this date. Ched Radio 6.30 a.m. has the call of the winner. Puck goes to McDavid on the left wing, back to the point. Bouchard brings it to the middle. Now he'll go to the net. He'll shoot! Scores! Evan Bouchard walks in and gives the Oilers the 2-1 victory in overtime. And then also on Tuesday to wrap up today's goal calls, we had a preview of the matchup that we're going to see in the first round when the Toronto Maple Leafs took down the Tampa Bay Lightning 4-3. And it all started with William Nylander's power play goal halfway through the first period to get Toronto going and get them on the board first. Nylander went on to have three points in this game, including two assists. And Toronto now has 109 points in their season, while Tampa Bay has 96. Joe Bowen shared the call of Nylander's goal to get it going. Played by Hegel to the far side, then a long shoot-in after the... Four-on-four session is over. Icing the puck in the Leafs' power play with a minute 29 to go. Dropping it back now, and here's Yarncrook to Nylander. Nylander flips in on the right side. O'Reilly back to Nylander. Scores! William Nylander gets number 39. The NHL announced on Tuesday that the Global Series will be heading to Australia in September. Kind of cool to see hockey there for the very first time. The LA Kings will be taking on the Arizona Coyotes and they're going to be playing in Melbourne. Pretty neat. Now, moving ahead to after Wednesday night, the Stanley Cup playoffs have officially been set as the New York Islanders clinch the 16th and final playoff spot after they got a wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. It was really close between them and the Pittsburgh Penguins as they were both fighting for that final spot. Pittsburgh had 16 consecutive seasons of going to the postseason, and now they have broken that streak. And also to note with this, this is going to be the first Stanley Cup playoffs that we've seen since 2006 that both Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin will not be in it. That, to me, is pretty wild. But I am still looking forward to following along the playoffs beginning next week with the first round and all of those matchups. I will be covering it here on Light the Lamp through the next couple months and weeks of all of the action. So if you're looking for some playoff coverage, make sure to listen on Light the Lamp. Now, ahead of the final freeway face-off tonight, Carlin Bathe joined us in studio to talk about hockey in Southern California, the significance of the rivalry, and her connection to the Ducks. Take a listen. Joining Light the Lamp now is Bally Sports West LA Kings reporter Carlin Bathe. Carlin, welcome to the Paul Korea studio. I've heard all about the Paul Korea <laughs> studio. I have not seen the Paul Korea studio yet. To be here in the Paul Korea studio, thank you for the warm welcome and what a great spot you all have here. 
I'm so glad that you were able to find it too. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit lost <laughs> in the parking lot. And um, thank you for your guidance. And the second I saw you, I knew, okay, that direction, but we're here. We made it. <laughs> well, we're also at the end of the NHL season. Yeah. Overall, just how are you feeling? I mean, all the travel that you've done this year and then just getting to this final game now. This season felt like a good step after some COVID riddled seasons that we've had. So kind of the growth from doing things on Zoom to, you know, okay, we're jumping back into traveling, but we're not crossing the border yet. This season felt the most normal in the last few seasons. And from from that standpoint, I appreciated that. Mm -hmm. I was so happy to get back out on the road. And then from the team perspective, to see how much this team has continued to grow, which I'm sure we'll get into making a, you know, clinching a playoff spot and back-to-back -back seasons for them to get back on the right track. It's been a lot of fun to follow. What is your favorite thing to do when you're on the road? Hang out with Daryl Evans. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's our, our radio analyst and a former player. He is one of my best friends. Mm -hmm. And I literally just love like eating sandwiches with him, going, going and getting lunch, dinners, <laughs> walking. He tries to get me out and exercise. That man does millions. I'm not even joking, Alexis. Millions of jump ropes per year. Counts them. Does oh. them. That's his shtick. He's always trying to get me out and active as well. And I'm way less productive than <laughs> that. So I love a good mall crawl and a, and a hang with Daryl Evans. It's good to have that energy with you too on the yeah, road. Because keeps it me does. Going. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about you. And for any of the Ducks fans listening that don't know much about your background, you are from Maine. Yes. So yes. Begin there. I'll begin there. <laughs> I grew up in Maine. I lived there for about 19 years and then moved to California on a whim and thought, okay, I'm graduated high school. Let's see what else is out there. And moved here, started working for the Kings pretty much right away as a member of the ice crew. Did that for five seasons did some in-arena hosting for a few seasons, moved over to digital, and then made my way to the broadcast. So that's kind of the job trajectory there. And um, for Ducks fans that don't know, because this is a Ducks stream, right? They want to <laughs> hear maybe, okay, is there any sort of Ducks love in her family? My husband is a massive Orange County born and raised Ducks fan. And he, he is a season ticket member at the Honda Center. And <laughs> Um, so as much as I am a lover and, uh, employee and, uh, reporter that covers the Kings, I do have some ducks <laughs> in my family. So that's, that's kind of my journey to how I got to where I am just job wise. But, um, life-wise, it's a huge contrast to living in Maine. I, we grew mm -hmm. up in a small town. My little brother who also works for the ducks does video yep. editing and shoots a lot of video on game days. You'll see him running around, um, it's amazing to have him out here with me. We're the only two babes that are living out here in Southern California and have my family here and have it be him and have him be in the same space as me working and just growing his own career has just been incredible. But yeah, about 18,000 people we grew up around to however many million we're around now. Is, <laughs> there's a big difference. I still feel like I get used to it. I still feel like a small town girl on the inside. <laughs> well, I have to ask. So at home, how do you handle the sort of, I wouldn't say necessarily rivalry between right. you and your husband, but kind of a little bit. Oh, we bicker <laughs> all the time. And I, he'll, he'll be so quick to say, oh, rah, 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 rah. like he'll have something to say about mm -hmm. the Kings as any Ducks fan would. It's like truly a, a freeway face-off, but <laughs> just like a hallway face-off. <laughs> There's no freeway in our house, but it is funny how much I end up standing up for 
my team. Like mm-hmm. I, I will have to give it back to them and be like, well, no. And I pull out the stats, the numbers, the, you don't know this. <laughs> they said this. And he's like, oh shoot. Okay. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> and then we argue about rules and stuff because he's so, he's a extremely knowledgeable hockey fan too. Mm-hmm. So if something happens during a game, we're not watching Kings Ducks, say we're watching Nashville and Colorado something happens and they're discussing it in the refs or whatever, he'll come out, oh, the rule is this. And I'm like, no, I think it's this. And then we start bickering about other teams. So <laughs> we have this competitive nature that runs thick and deep. <laughs> so I love that you can share that fandom together, yeah. though. That's really special. It really is. It's unique. I don't know how well I would handle um, – I mean, I'm married now. I'm not going back. But, like, <laughs> say, say he was a, a baseball fan or – I cover a little bit of baseball too. But, like, if he wasn't as diehard of a hockey fan as he is, maybe I wouldn't have been sold on him. <laughs> like, this helped his case in a way. And Sorry also, to hear that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's helped his case but also probably, like, given us something to bigger about mm-hmm. forever until we die. <laughs> so, <laughs> so how did you gain that passion for hockey? Where did that begin? Well – my dad played for the Flyers and for the Red Wings back in the 70s and the 80s. I did not get to see any of that. My mm-hmm. brothers, my two oldest brothers, got to kind of enjoy some of that time and were young kids growing up around the rink and traveling and watching him play in big matchups. And he was an enforcer back when enforcers were like, they had jobs as just enforcers, you know, mm-hmm. and he played with no helmet. Uh, so got his bell rung a whole Ooh. bunch of times. Uh, I'd never seen him play until YouTube came around and I literally was able to look up my dad and see just the first thing I see is him punching other men in the face. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. But he wouldn't hurt a fly now, but that's what sparked my love for hockey. And then I've got four brothers who all played. So by nature of that, when there's used gear around the house, you know, all of them are left-handed uh, shots. Mm-hmm. I was forced into wearing, you know, oversized gear, left-handed shot from a young age. I didn't have a choice and I grew up playing as well. And so that's kind of where my love started. And then now I'm retired beer league <laughs> player because I, the people in beer league still take it as seriously as NHL players do. So <laughs> I skate with friends now. <laughs> that's good. Yes. That's yes, awesome. Yeah. Well, when you were younger, how was hockey in Maine? I mean, was there a girls team that you played on or did you have to play with the boys? It was a mixture. So I did not start playing with a team until middle school because I didn't want to play with the boys. Mm-hmm. And my dad, who is, if you met him, you would understand when I say he's a strong, tense, but affirmative like I don't even know the words to describe it I can't think of any more adjectives like I don't know he's just a stern stern is probably the word stern human who wants to get things done and will say like you know you need to do this so he kind of was able to help me find a team that was a girls team but it was the high school girls team so I started Mm. playing when I was in middle school in the high school girls team and that was kind of the scene at the time like it was either boys or I guess we have a high school team but there was nothing really below that now they've got you know all kinds of teams for young women that they Mm -hmm. can join so I'm happy to see how much it's grown especially here in Southern California but that was my option at the time so I did play girls hockey only and then I did some travel hockey once I hit high school and it was a lot of fun there's girls that I still feel connected with now we've got like Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff Mm -hmm. like you you come back and you connect with them and you're like we're old hockey teammates and it's Mm -hmm. just like that that connection that never goes away. So 
super thankful for the girls hockey I grew up around, but wish we had more. And I started, you know, on a team a lot younger. Mm -hmm. Well, being in California now and seeing that growth of the sport out here, how have you been able to be a part of that even? I mean, in your role where you're at too. Yeah. Well, I feel like both of our roles, really, we can offer exposure in a mm -hmm. way where if a young girl is scrolling Twitter and she comes across Duckstream, you know, what if she's been thinking about going to a game or maybe thinking about attending a, a free skate at uh, Great Park or in Irvine, mm -hmm. you know, there's this type of exposure that we can offer. And I feel like that lends itself so well to the the young community that we have out in Southern California. And then the in-person stuff, you know, if, if we're at an event and you're able to talk to people face to face, you don't even have to talk about, hey, get yourself some skates and get out on the ice. It's just those small positive interactions that can give people that good feeling about hockey. So say if someone comes out to their first Ducks game and they are at Ducks Fest, Fan Fest outside, right? <laughs> they run into you and they're just chatting with you about, oh, how did you get into Duckstream? How did you, you know, mm -hmm. fall in love with hockey? And they get your story you're not telling them to go out to the rink and put on some skates, but they're leaving that game and leaving that interaction and going, I like hockey. <laughs> I like the atmosphere. <laughs> I like that. I like that positive conversation I just had. It's just all that subconscious stuff that gets put in your head. So I actively always try to make sure people have a positive experience whenever they come across the mixture of like myself and some sort of hockey event, even mm -hmm. if I'm not, you know, actively out there on the ice but when we do get those opportunities to get out there with with people that's even more fun like that's that's the icing on the cake is like picking up a stick putting on the skates sometimes the players will even you know come out to these events and mm -hmm. those moments can really change somebody's life so I try to make it those as positive as I can, but it's grown so much since mm -hmm. I've, since I've gotten here. Yeah. Especially from the time that you did get here to yeah. now, it's been a number of years. And I mean, how do you like living in Orange County in Southern California? It's great. So I moved to Van Nuys, like Lake Balboa area when I first moved here and lived there for about half my time. I've been in California and I've been in Orange County now the second half of my time. I've been here almost, I think, 15 years. I don't know math well. <laughs> Moved here in 2007. I don't know the mm -hmm. math real quick off the top of my head. But it's grown exponentially since then, especially with the Junior Kings. And then you look at all the Ducks youth hockey programs that they have out here, too. I mean, mm -hmm. you look at Great Park Ice. The fact that that, that got built in the time that I've lived down in Orange County. And, mm -hmm. like, that is that's a kid's dream. Like mm -hmm. we didn't have that in Maine and hockey was huge in Maine. We had old rundown rinks, one <laughs> sheet of ice. That thing's got five, right? Or four, four or five. <laughs> yeah. I think it's four. I think <laughs> it, it, yeah. Four. Okay. We, four. Got, we got confirmation. confirmation Here we go. Producer four. confirmation four. <laughs> there we go. It's just, it's what you dream about as, as a kid that, you know, to have these endless options, these kids are spoiled. They don't realize it. <laughs> They're so lucky. And that's a testament to the demand. You need that mm -hmm. many ice surfaces now because the sport has grown so much. So to me, that's the proof in the pudding. That's, you know, you don't have to give me the numbers. The fact that there's a, 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 a like facility that has mm -hmm. four sheets of ice yeah. <laughs> in Southern California, not by accident, that's that's hockey growth in, in SoCal. And it's really special to see all of those kids that have come out and play hockey because 
having these NHL teams here, it, you know, it provides the opportunity to follow these teams growing up. Yeah. And obviously the rivalry will probably never go away between right. the Ducks and the Kings, but it's something that gets really exciting, especially as we're getting to the final game on Thursday between the right. two teams. But for you, what is the free freeway face-off like? Well, real quick, you made me think of a player because we're talking about youth hockey and, and the freeway face-off. Trevor Moore on, on the Kings, he grew up watching – the Kings because he's from Thousand Oaks, California. Mm -hmm. He was a huge Kings fan, was watching them in their Stanley Cup years and was a fan first. So he knew all about the freeway faceoff when it came time to play in the freeway faceoff. That kid was dialed in, ready to go. So from that perspective, you got to think about going back to the growth in Southern yeah. California. That's a direct influence. Mm -hmm. Like cup winning Kings teams, boom, directly influenced Trevor Moore king's second line you know forward mm -hmm. winger like that's remarkable and from my perspective just getting up for these games is so much fun like with the two of us sitting here talking we know <laughs> how important this is and like we can maybe play up a rivalry between the teams and the players but between the people behind the scenes and the people that you know come together on each side we're we're literally two professional hockey teams that are, what, 30 miles apart from one another mm -hmm. <laughs> on a literal, like, freeway stretch. It's the respect that each franchise has for one another off the ice, too, that I think is really cool that can then play into the theatrics of what happens on the ice. And then the fan perspective, you've got – Crazy Ducks fans like my husband. <laughs> no, he's, he he gets he gets up for these games too, so he can you know have something to bicker with me about. But it's good for everybody. It's good in the sense that these two teams can be on different paths. The Ducks can be where they are right now, and the Kings can be where they are right now. But tomorrow's game, it's almost like that does not matter. Mm -hmm. You know, Ducks fans don't give a hoot if the Kings are in the playoffs. If Ducks. If the Ducks win that game, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. That's bragging rights. So we wonder, we won our end last game of the regular season at home, and it was against the Kings. Boom. Like, and they should be proud of that. <laughs> like, that's, so yeah. what are you then expecting to see on the ice then in the play on Thursday? So in terms of what I think the Kings will bring out, I mean, we went to practice today. We talked to head coach Tom McClellan and – he just doesn't want the team to – this wasn't his word, but in a sense deflate. He doesn't want to see um, a performance that says, hey, this is the preview to the playoffs. What? Like he wants to make sure people are being consistent with how they should be playing. Like get up and go, play this game, and we're still waiting for some players to get healthy. So I'm not going to expect a Kevin Fiala back in. I'm not going to expect a Gabe Velarde back in. We still have morning skate tomorrow to determine that, but just based on who's been out on the ice and who's been practicing and what color jerseys they're wearing, um, I'm just expecting a good effort from the Kings while being maybe a little bit reserved. We got a little bit rowdy in – they got a little bit rowdy in their last game mm -hmm. at home. Two fights from a team that doesn't fight often at all. Maybe, maybe – I think we had like five fights or something right. total for the season before that game, and it's – Jared Stoll was talking about, you know, Adrian Kempe's getting into it. There's 38 goals in those hands. Like, you can't break those <laughs> hands before the playoffs start. So, in that respect, I'm not expecting maybe the freeway faceoffs of the past where it was a 
you know like the last meeting maybe yeah <laughs> like not like that and then like back back in the day like you know Nick Delorier, Curtis McDermott, like that's not going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm expecting a tame performance, but a hungry one where these ducks, you know, they're still fighting for jobs. Mm-hmm. The coaching staff are still having a sense of pride on the line where they want their product on the ice to perform and play well and have integrity and, and reason to be out there. And mm-hmm. um, I think too often fans think like, oh, the team wants to tank and they want to do this you don't know what the team wants you're not in the locker room you can only imagine that these guys want their own personal stats and their own legacy and their own you know camaraderie within the room to come first before Mm -hmm. what you think is going to come first Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense it does what I mean (laughs) Yeah. yeah so you mentioned it a little bit already but the differences in where both of the teams are at but you talked a little bit about the Ducks future and what is ahead for them how do you view that as we move into the future and I know here in Anaheim we're all very excited for what could be um, over these next couple years it's so exciting having gone through this process from the outside uh looking in in this in this role on on the broadcast right we had what was called a retool that's what that's Mm -hmm. what our team um named what Rob Blake and his staff have done from the past couple of years until now. And to see the process where you strip away those guys that, you know, you won the cup with, that part hurts. To see some of those big names go, to see trade deadlines happen and you sit there frustrated as a fan going, we didn't get anybody or what are you doing? And Mm -hmm. you got picks, what's that mean? It's exciting to see the product come to fruition so when you're in it right now and pat verbeek is wheeling and dealing he's doing his things right now it's because he's got a plan you know championship teams aren't built overnight and why would you want to flip a switch and and win Mm -hmm. you know that also doesn't make sense either if you had all the money in the world there was no cap and you could just make your fantasy team that doesn't sound rewarding either you Mm -hmm. know when you gain picks and you guys have a lot of of equity coming up in some future drafts (laughs) and that's you know that's a smart gm moving pieces around knowing you can't resign certain people and making sure you get a good return to help build for your future whatever you think is hard right now put that aside and be the fans that are there during the process because it's going to be more rewarding for you at the end of the day. You can say you were there when. You don't want to jump on later and go, oh, they're good now. I'm going to watch. Like, don't be that person. Be in it with these people because you're. we're all in this. We've all mm-hmm. been in this at one time or another, too. There's no, there's no team every year that's just consistently winning cups. It's the hardest thing to win. Mm-hmm. You know, the last time, what, someone won four in a row – Edmonton back in like the 80s or something. <laughs> Producer. <laughs> that was right. It was poor. Right? <laughs> it's like, yeah. She's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, it's just impossible. So be there while it's happening. Mm-hmm. Put your butts in seats and watch it unfold. And it it's it's a it's a long con. And it's it's fun to sit there and be a part of it. When I look back to my first year with the Kings in 2018 to 2023 now it flew by in a Mm -hmm. blink but it was so rewarding to see the growth the returns and then now just the fact that they've made playoffs two consecutive seasons I'm like okay Mm -hmm. they're in a good spot now 
one of the things that I also wanted to bring up that I actually took part in recently was the freeway face-off beach cleanup between the two How teams. Was that? It was really fun. Yeah. Beautiful afternoon. But I think it was just kind of an example of the two teams working together in Southern California. And I know, I mean, you've been to different events too. And I was curious, you know, from your perspective, seeing the teams come together, yeah. why that's important too, to the community. Well, it's important to show that these franchises are aligned for a collective goal. Yes, they are rivals and mm -hmm. yes, one of them wants to win the cup over the other. And mm -hmm. yes, they, you know, are, want to establish certain things that the other one can't and whatnot and get the accolades. But I mean, just like looking at our world as broadcasters, you want to lift up other broadcasters because mm -hmm. if everyone is pitted against each other, then no one wins. It's kind of a, it's a bad look. <laughs> so right. It's, I look at that as, you know, being kind to your neighbors. We're, we're neighbors with the ducks and we, we take up this really unique space in a Southern California market where to have two NHL teams, like we talked about, mm -hmm. be so close together. That's so unique. Some teams are not even within a hundred miles of another team and it can be hard to partner with people like that. So to have two teams align on initiatives like that too mm -hmm. just spreads awareness and it does it does great for the community why not use all of the hundreds of employees to do great <laughs> things like that <laughs> like everybody exactly. wins when it comes to stuff like mm -hmm. that and I think it gives fans a positive outlook too and maybe even brings fans together maybe you meet your future husband who is a Ducks fan because you're <laughs> you know the franchises are actually friendly enough to come together like that so you know the possibilities are endless but mm -hmm. I like I love that they do that I think mm -hmm. it's nothing but positive another one of your passions I want to talk about is being a part of EA's NHL as a yeah. broadcaster yeah. and you were the first female broadcaster to be a part of it too why was that such a special thing for you to eventually, you know, get to that role with them? I never grew up thinking I want to be in a video game. You just <laughs> look at that as an unattainable thing that mm -hmm. doesn't exist. How would you even be in one? And when the opportunity rose, I, I could not say no. And I, you know, sent my audition in and taped my own like report and whatnot and had, um, People sign off, say, yep, that's it. You're you're going to be that person. And it just seemed like a no-brainer. And then I was just so honored to do it, too, to be um, the third member of that broadcast team. It's special. My nephews play that game. Mm. They live thousands of miles away back in Maine. And, you know, to know that they play that game with their friends. And I don't know if they think I'm cool or their cool <laughs> aunt. But, like, to me, that's cool. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> Uh, that that is that is so awesome and then I've had young girls comment about it I've had young boys comment about it and say you know that it's amazing that there's a woman in the game and then I just look at it like I hope that's the first of many and I hope that that sets the tone and that's all we're really trying to do I've talked a lot about women kind of forging paths in sports and you just got to keep opening doors and if you know if I opened the video game door, good, I'll hold it open and everyone can come Aww. on through, you know, that's, that's kind of how I look at it. And, um, yeah, just really honored. It was a special, mm -hmm. special part of my, of my resume that I, that I cherish a lot. <laughs> and you're part of the NHL's gaming too, though. The, yes. The championship, world yeah. championship. You, you were, got it. Yes. Yeah. So we've got some events coming up. We're going to be going to Sweden 
it at the beginning of May for the, the European Championships. Then we've got a North American Championships that will happen later on. Then we've got one final one. It's called the World Championships. Mm. So it's basically the best players that are competing at a high level that we then broadcast and put on, you know, the NHL gives, gets all the bells and whistles, partners with um, DreamHack to put on the production. Mm. And I host and report at those events. And then we've got our own analysts and play-by-play. It's fun because they've got like cool video game names. Like we've got Anthony Grisgol, Sibilia, <laughs> and then Cam No Sleeves Halbert. So like, I don't know where No Sleeves came from. But <laughs> I just love like you know you don't get to hear that on a regular sports broadcast. Right. So I don't know what your gamer tag would be. Do you ever think about that? Like, what would Ooh. you? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Like Alexis, you know. Something maybe related to Duck Stream, I yeah. guess. Light the lamp, the show, the name yeah. of this show. I don't know. Alexis Lamp Lighting Downey. Like, you know what I mean? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. We'll go with that. Maybe we'll, that might need some work. <laughs> oh, yeah. We'll, we, can, we can iron that out. <laughs> that's really yeah. awesome that it's also a whole world yeah. thing, too, as like it connects fans all over the place, too, as it, well. It really does. It's something that because it's a streaming first, broadcasts you can click that stream link and mm-hmm. there's no you know national coverage blackout there's no local broadcast restrictions it's <laughs> do you have an internet connection yes come on in join us mm-hmm. we'll connect everyone around the world and you can watch some amazing hockey gaming and it's it's such a blast well carlin this has been so awesome having you here in studio i'm excited for the ducks and kings game on thursday night and looking forward to seeing you there Can't wait to see you there, Alexis. Thanks (laughs) for having me. Now it's time for my final quack for this episode, where I share my last thoughts before the end of the show. It's the last game. Make sure to wear orange if you are coming out to Honda Center tonight. And if you can't make it, you can always listen to the pregame show and the broadcast right here on DuckStream. Steve Carroll and Emerson Edom will have the call tonight along with Josh Brewster. And I also want to thank you all for being with us all season long. I'm going to continue having content for you on DuckStream through this offseason. Light the Lamp will continue as there is still plenty of things to be talking about all around the NHL. And also with the draft lottery and the draft, which will be in Nashville later this summer. So make sure to stay tuned for everything that is ahead. Thank you for listening to Light the Lamp today and always. I am Alexis Downey. Come back again next time for more hockey talk on DuckStream. This is an Anaheim Ducks original production on DuckStream.